So, so Father, I thank you for then, Lord, help me to, help me, mm. Jesus, you were marveled, you were marveled, you marveled when you saw that, that woman's faith, that great, I haven't seen such great faith, the Syrophoenician who said, I'll just take the crumbs off the table. She knew she wasn't even in the covenant, the Jewish covenant, uh, the Samaritan woman, excuse me, and she she, but you were marveled at her, at her faith. You marveled at the centurion's soldier's faith. So, Lord, I, I ask for that kind of anointing on us. Help us to never be the same, because you've given us new glasses today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing a series called Practical Christianity. Um, basically, subtitle could be how to make the Christian the Christian life, or how to make Christianity actually work in everyday life. Looked up the dictionary definition of practical. It it, it basically means to be over concerned with the actual doing of something rather than mere theory. And so we can we can in church we can say a lot of things, a lot of church words, and it's a theory but not actually know how to do them. Let's say uh, a big part of the Christian life was guacamole. Just use the example. I saw three or four people just go, they just, they perked up. But let's say if all we, you know, a big part of Christian life is guacamole, Not, not yet, but you're getting there. Thank you. You can push pause. You can push pause. Let's say all we did was talk about the need for guacamole. Let's commit to guacamole. Join guacamole fellowship, you know. If that was the term, guacamole, guacamole. Are you, how's your guacamole? You know? But we never learned how to make guacamole. Would be kind of goofy, wouldn't it? So you're welcome. Here we go. Go ahead and play that. Well, yeah, here we go. This is how to make guacamole. You can turn up the volume. All right, yeah. You're not going to have me tell you because I don't know how to make it, but it's going to go through a few steps. Hey, it's technical difficulties, right? We're all good. All right, so you take an onion. Finally dice it. You, You get what I'm saying? Guacamole. You want about a quarter of a cup. All right, but now we we get throw them into a small bowl, then cover with warm water. This just tones down the raw flavor of the onion a little bit. Set that aside. That's why you have notes in your bulletin. You can take notes right now. You need to use ripe avocados for this. Just press around the avocado. If it gives a little bit, you know you're good to go. Cut each avocado in half lengthwise. This is interesting. Twist it open. Then use a spoon to remove I could have Kaylee come up here right now and just tell us the rest. All right, you could go ahead and turn that off. Thank you, Sloan. Well, what... Now... So it's practical. That's practical how-to. And so what we've been doing the last number of weeks is talk about practical, practical lordship. How does it... How do we practically walk with Jesus as Lord? Practical prayer. 
the Lord's Prayer, practical evangelism, practical holiness last week. And so today we're going to talk about practical church membership. Well, I'm a member of, or what church do you go to? Or, we, you know, that question is shared a lot. So what is the practical? What does it mean? And how do you practically connect to a local church? I'm not saying I have the full answers today, but I'm going to offer you, I'm going to offer you a few practical things that I think will help you to understand how this works. Ephesians 4.16, it's in your notes, says the whole body, that's the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of his church, which is his body. So as I look around this room, I see a spiritual body. Hands, legs, thumbs, toes, the whole, the whole thing. The body joined and knit together. Today's Connection Sunday of what every joint supplies according to the whole body joined in it together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the whole body for the edifying or the building of up of itself in love. In other words, when we are connected in a vital connection, all running together in the same direction, it's healthy. It's a healthy thing. It's healthy for us spiritually, and it's healthy for the people around us. I mean, think about it. If a thumb, if you're a thumb, and it's disconnected, separated from the rest of the body, it's just over on the table, it's not going to last very long. It's not going to do much people much good, right? I mean, you can't do this if you don't have your thumb. You're just like this. You can't communicate. Something's good. We all need to be connected for our sake and for the, the sakes of the, of the people around us. Now, I said today is Connection Sunday, but as I've prayed over this, I've shared this kind of topic of, over the years a lot. I'm sure you've been to churches that talk about it a lot. But the overall arching weight on my heart is I want to communicate to you how much this topic of the church, the body of Christ being connected together, how intensely uh, excited Jesus is about this subject, about how much this means to him, how much he cherishes his body, the body of Christ. In fact, we're called his bride. So he is intense about this. He he wants us to understand, and he is, just loves this topic. I believe when we connect together, there are aspects of encountering God's love that we cannot experience by ourselves. I want to experience and encounter everything of God's love and presence that God will allow the human heart to encounter in this life. And so I want to be involved in what will allow my heart to get undone regularly with God's presence and His pleasure and His holy desire. What a travesty it would be if we talked about Connection Sunday and you connecting to some form of ministry, which is important. We're going to have opportunities out there afterwards for you to look at what we call them connect, connection tables. 
But how sad it would be if we connected to doing something, but our heart was disconnected from the one who gave his life for us. That's my biggest heart today, is that the Lord, by giving us new glasses, will also awaken our hearts more to be more connected with him. Because if we're not connected with him, and I've been a part of church life where you, you, you were busy doing, but your heart was disconnected. That's dead works. It's dead works. Now, I understand we, can, we love God with all our strength. So when you connect and you serve, there, there's an expression of love. But a lot of times it can just be going through the motions because you got to. You feel guilty if you don't. But I pray that the Lord will connect our hearts to Him today. That's the real connection Sunday I'm after. Because I believe if we're connected here vertically, then the other parts will work out themselves. So don't think of this as a lot of to-dos as much as a lot of responses to the, to the encounter, the, to the relationship we have with the Lord. So I'm going to get practical today on how to connect so we can experience the full measure of what God has in his heart for us. A couple of things, Roman numeral one, a couple of scriptures just to help nail it down. I love the Passion Translation version of this. Hebrews 10, 25, it's in your notes. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. The day could be capitalized, the day of the Lord, the the end time results. I just heard a siren out there. It's kind of right, right with, I have really good ears, so I just heard a siren out there. Thankfully, this isn't like last year. A siren was coming for me. <laughs> for those who don't know the story, I'm, I'm back, baby. All right. First Peter 5.8, another one. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... You've heard this one. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, this is really interesting because if you watch National Geographic stuff or things like that, the, the way that, that, that's being described here, Peter's describing, is when a lion roars, he's wanting one of those gazelles. But all those gazelles are in a, are in a big herd and so he's like, I can't attack that whole group of 50 gazelles, but I'm going to roar. And if you can go ahead and start to play this, the lions roar. And I'd like you to crank it up, not hurt your ears, but what, because I'm going to act out what happens, okay? Okay, you're a gazelle. Okay, that's a jive turkey gazelle. But you, you hear that noise. And you don't know where it's coming from. You're like, oh. and so they, they they think it's coming from over here, but the lion's over here. So they they run away. You can go ahead and turn it down. This is everybody completely obnoxious out now. The 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 vibe the ground of the savanna vibrates such that they go and they go and they get away from the herd. 
And it's when they get isolated because of the lion's roar, the God doesn't care about you, they rejected you, you didn't get your prayer answered, well, and then, or, or, or I'm the, the fear of missing out on fun. Oh, the world's so enticing. This is so good over here. I think I'll go over here. Wow, I'm having a good time. The lion then is able to devour. He's seeking who can disconnects from the body, from the herd. Satan is crazy, but he's not stupid. He's crazy in that he makes people do crazy, lewd, horrible things, but he's not stupid in that he figures out he knows human patterns and he knows how to push buttons because he's been watching us for thousands of years. And so we have to not be ignorant of Satan's schemes. Roman numeral two, one main value of River in the Hills. Since day one, when I started, when I moved it, we moved here, 1998, to start the church, to plant the church, sent out from a church in East Texas, typed up our little vision statement, and we said one of our values is servant leadership. Meaning, and the, the verses are in there, but it basically means that the leaders are primarily to serve and to equip the rest. You lead by serving. That scripture says the, the, those whom the Holy Spirit appointed to be overseers, but they are among. He's made you overseers, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So we're among, but we have an authority over like Todd as an elder. But we don't lord it over. In fact, people look at, sometimes they look at church's leadership as like a pyramid. We turn it upside down. I can't, my wrists don't work that well. But, you know, we're there to serve. Jesus, John 13, he demonstrated this. The, the, verse, the verse earlier, he didn't come. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. To give his life a ransom for many. Jesus took the towel, king of kings, creator of the universe, knelt down, took the towel, and washed the disciples' feet. To not just have a good story in Scripture, but to show us how leaders should walk and live and serve. Roman numeral three, four things you can expect of the leadership of River in the Hills. I'm starting, membership is a two-way street. The street of the leadership is you can and should expect certain things of the elders, of the pastors, of the leaders of the church. The first one is you should expect us to pray and hear from the Lord concerning the wisdom and direction of River in the Hills. Not say, well, I've been a pastor for X number of years. I know I went to a seminar. I know how to do it. But to fall on our knees. To say, oh God, oh God, oh God. To say, help. He's called the helper, right? Did you know that? Holy Spirit's called the helper. So why don't we ask him for help? 
The thing is, man in pride says, I don't need help. And so we are you call, we're called. You can expect us to take and set aside times to pray. Acts 6, 1 through 4, talking about the elders, leaders of the church, in the context of, of assigning deacons to do practical serving, which they're supposed to, they're, they're also called to be men and women of prayer and power. It says, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. How can we lead if we don't know where we're going? How can you know where you're going if you can't hear the, the Spirit tell you where to go? So you should expect us to be able to hear, not perfectly, but hear what the head, Jesus, is telling the body. So the head, the brain, sends the signal to my arm to do this. Okay, so we, we need to hear signals from the head, who is Jesus. So I ask you to pray for us that we would have hearing ears. We are under-shepherds of the great shepherd. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a shepherd as pastor directly. I call myself under-shepherd, meaning I'm under, I'm submitted to the great shepherd. And so you should expect that of us to, to the word disciple means learner. So I'm a disciple, and if I'm not continuing to learn and continuing to be before the Lord saying, what are you saying? I, we don't just say as elders or leaders, well, we did this five years ago. Let's, you know, why are we doing that now? Well, because we've always done it that way. No, it's what's he doing now? What's the fresh word? Second thing you can expect of us is to admonish. There's a verse there, 1 Thessalonians 5.12. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and those who admonish you. That word admonish means to warn, to urge, or to advise. Basically, it means to tell you things sometimes you don't want to hear, or at least your flesh doesn't want to hear. To tell you what the Bible says and what the Bible teach, teaches, even if it's not convenient or comfortable all the time. I love this phrase someone said one time. They said, Jesus came to comfort the afflicted, but he also came to afflict the comfortable. It's love in both ways. And so that's what admonish means. We owe it to you as leaders to not be ensnared by the fear of man that would lead us to doctrinal compromise. I'm going to say that again. We owe it to you to not be ensnared by the fear of man. The Bible says Fear of man brings a snare. We owe it to you to not be ensnared by fearing, by wanting to be popular or not wanting people to leave the church if we say something they don't want to hear, but it's in the Bible. We don't want to be enslaved or ensnared to a fear of man that would lead to doctrinal compromise. Who would have thought that making the statement I'm about to make today, I'm about to make it in a few seconds, would be offensive to millions and millions of Americans. God made human beings male and female. There, 
I said it. <laughs> he made them male and female. You owe it. We owe it to you to tell you. Jesus said those words in Matthew 19, 4. And he, Jesus, answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? One presidential candidate, at least, has said recently that if a church or a pastor or a leader makes these kind of statements, they should have, that church should have its tax-exempt status taken away from it. Yes. His name rhymes with Leto. <laughs> I can't think of something else that reminds me. But you know what? If it comes down to telling and admonishing and warning you what the Bible says versus what culture says is appropriate, to tell, to tell you what Jesus says, if, you, if you're going to tell me, okay, you either agree with, you either disagree with Jesus or you, or you agree with him, duh, I'm going to decide to go with what the Lord has said. Because that's love. That's love. And so, pray for us. I battle with fear of man. We all do. Okay? The difference is it says don't be ensnared by it. I did a whole thing after the Supreme Court decision on same-sex marriage. I sat on a stool here and, and I was like sweating bullets. Tell, but I was telling the truth. Because you, you, we, owe it, you, we owe it to you to tell you the truth. Amen. Third, to have integrity. It kind of goes along with number two. To admonish, you have to have courage. But to have integrity. To live our lives above reproach. Reproach means a big word. means disapproval or disappointment. So these are practical things that as leadership we, we commit to. I'm going to go ahead and read 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Because I just think we should hear it. I should hear it. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of an overseer or an elder or a leader, a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, which means not drunkenness, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil." I said it a couple times today. Please pray for us. Please pray for us. Hold our arms up. You know, you know, this is not, that's not just some spiritual thing to say. Fourth, you can expect us to be available. To be available. When you, when you have emergencies or when you have something you want to bounce off or talk, there's obviously the different ways to communicate. James 5, 14 and 15 
is very clear. It says, if any, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the doctor and go to the emergency room. Right. It doesn't mean you can't call for the doctor, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't go to the emergency room, depending on whatever, you know. But it says, call for the elders of the church. The elders are available for this and other things. I mean, there's, you know, they, it says they're, they're called to do two things, to, to pray the prayer of faith and to anoint with oil. Okay, so we, you know, like, a lot of times I used to just carry a bottle of oil in my pocket. Anybody else have oil in your purse or pocket? Have oil will travel, right? We're ready when there's a, when there's a need. But it basically means we're available. Um, we do our best uh, for prayer and counseling. And he thought, you know, hey, are you here? I'm, I'm usually here a lot during the week in the prayer room, especially in the afternoon. So just come in. You know, people don't interrupt my work. People are my work. People don't know, care how much you know till they know how much you care. Those are old, those are old tapes that come up. Sorry. But, uh, but seriously, I, I try to make it a goal to answer any, any kind of reach out by the end of the day. It's my, my goal. So, um, available. Now, five things. Roman numeral, are, are we at five here? I don't know if my notes. Roman numeral five, four, five, no, four. I have my notes wrong. Roman numeral four, five things we can expect from you. Now, you're like, wait a minute, you only got four and you got five for us? Well, that's all I could come up with here. Number one, to be connect, five practical, this is how you make the guacamole, all right? Practical ways to connect. First, be here. It's kind of hard to connect if you're not here. <laughs> be here as your schedule allows and as the Lord leads. That's why I said at the beginning, when we're connected in our heart to the Lord, we're going we're gonna, to, that's going to affect our schedule and what we want to do, okay? But it's all, I, my heart is always, it's out of a want to, and sometimes the want to is not, doesn't have a great Emotions. Sometimes you do it because you're of the discipline. You know you're committed, but ultimately it's out of a response to to what he's done for me. So I have no other gear. At least I, I know I have other gears, but my gear primarily I want to live in is full throttle, all out, wholehearted for God. Okay. So that doesn't. But most of my days are not full throttle emotional exuberance. So be here. Uh, your presence builds up the rest of us. You know, second, I'll spare some of you because some of you might get headaches, but 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, uh, says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant pro- pro- procession like a parade, and through us he diffuses the perfume, the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. And I could give people headaches right now. And You want some? Okay. All right. Uh-oh. Now, Catriel. But what happens is, here's the thing. Your fragrances, when we're together, 
It's the knowledge of God, the fragrance of Him, of who He is in your life that you're diffusing to the people around you Amen. by being here. Psalm 22.3 says that God is holy and He is enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now, Israel means Israel, but it also can be extrapolated out to mean the praises of God's redeemed people. So when you come together and in this room and you lift up your voice, you are helping build the king a throne. He is enthroned in our praises. So, it's, so this is part of connection, is coming together. Yes, you can be blessed by the internet or by YouTube, but actually being here, you help build the king a big throne to come and sit. And when a king sits on his throne, he issues edicts and releases wars and, defeat, and defeats the enemy. First Corinthians 14, 26, this is pretty crazy. How is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. God may use you today to see someone get healed, to see someone get encouraged, to save someone's relationship with some words that, that you have. Does anybody have a headache from that squirt? I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> serve in the body. Oh, finding a place. Number two, finding a place to serve. I, I will, let me back up and say, when you're here too, I, kept, I had this picture. I wrote a little bonfire on the side of my pager. One of our biggest challenges as Christians is to keep the fire burning in our life. So when we, so when we, can, when we come together Picture coming together, to being around, being in a big bonfire. Even if your log is wet, okay, you throw a wet log onto a raging bonfire, it starts to catch fire. And so I love being around you and your fire. It keeps me on fire. Number two, I'll go real quickly. I'm over time. Serve in the body, finding places that are practical. Um, now, I want to say this. There are, I understand there are times when some of you are like, I'm just, I'm not, I don't want to be recruited today. I just want to sit and receive. I'm just in that place right now. And I want you to know I, I get it. I understand. But don't stay there perpetually. Because it won't be healthy, okay, in the long run. But we have tables at the end. I'm going to, have, going to skip to number three now <clears throat> and give you an opportunity to, to, to find places to connect with. We bribed you with pizza afterwards so you would stay and not run out to eat. Papa John's, I think. It's a Christian. Number three, giving. <laughs> giving. Thank you, Todd, for that word about giving. Um, I thought of it this way. I, I'm so glad God set his kingdom up this way uh, with giving, that, that it because it does three things with my heart that kind of keeps the bonfire going. Giving is a way of, of worshiping the Lord through giving. It says, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits. Second, it's a way, giving financially, tithes, 
and offerings, giving financially um, keeps your heart connected to his kingdom. Because it says, Scripture, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it is a connection point, practically, to, to keeping your heart uh, with the Lord. And third, it keeps your heart trusting in God. Uh, I, I'm thankful for a way to write a check, and I look at it and go, whoa, I could buy three things that I really want, with, but I'm trusting you that you're my provider, not whatever it is that allowed me to write that check. It keeps my heart in a place of trusting. That's why I love the Chick-fil-A model. Because I can't go get Chick-fil-A today, but they're trusting that they're going to make more money in six days because they gave a day away. Okay, that's a, that stands as a, as a message to me. Fourth, embrace the vision. Rachel, if you could, y'all team could come up. Embrace the vision of, of River in the Hills. The specific, I love it because there are certain basic things that all, church, all Christian churches embrace and hold to, like John 3.16. You know, a Christian church should believe God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, have everlasting life. We, all, we should all believe that, but God specifically assigns different specific churches to different mandates or assignments to fulfill. Ours are up here on the screen. If you could put that up and we'll, our Rith 101 class goes over it. There's, there's more detail. I'm not going to go into it right now. But I will say this, those two circles, it's like that was actually a vision, a picture I saw going down an escalator at the airport years ago of our vision. And the top one was move God's heart, the lower one was change the world. And I saw those three branches out of each of those, and then up the, I saw that, it was all not that nice and neat. But embrace the vision. I encourage you to learn the vision of River in the Hills. And then do what you can to support it. Where, where can I help fulfill this vision? We'll have it on the website, um, the, the audio. I will have this copy, copies of these on my table in the mill room here in a, in a few minutes so that you can take one with you if you want to. Um, look at it and, and, and realize, you know, if you want to have greater vision for your life, get involved in a vision that's bigger than your life. Amen. So find a, find a place that has a real vi a vision. And I, I can say this is a genuine uh, vision, I believe, with all my heart, that the Lord gave us. Fifth, a fifth practical ingredient to connecting to River in the Hills is to be receptive to the eldership and to the pastors of the church. It means to respect their authority, the, the, the calling that the Holy Spirit has, has like, Paul, um, like Paul, like Todd has said so well, you didn't ask for it, you didn't seek it. What did you say? Embrace. Yes. You, you didn't feel like you deserved it, you didn't seek it, but you embraced it. It's because the Holy Spirit's the one that highlighted and, and did that. So we, so we should... Respect that. All of us should uh, 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 see that. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, 
for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I'm going to ask the team to get ready, and I want us to close with a, a declaration, a song that I just love. This, this song came in my spirit in the prayer room this week. I thought, this is how I want us to officially, you know, kind of close the service. I have a couple of, of words of knowledge on healing. Um, Brooke, are you in here? Okay, she stepped out. She had a word on some vertebrae uh, that I'll, I'll give. And then the Lord wanting to heal some vertebrae. And I had, I had a word on vision headaches. The Lord wants to heal vision headaches and uh, some whole area with the eyes. Um, spine, C1 and C2 vertebrae, top of the neck are fused together was the word that was, was given. So after we sing this, I'd like you to um, come up for prayer with our prayer teams here. But before they, before they sing, if you could take your notes and turn over to the back, to the back page under number, Roman numeral five. This is the guide to the connection tables. Remember, we're being practical today. So I want to give you a moment. Rachel, if you could just about give us about a minute before, you, before we sing this. Just look at these and ask the Lord to highlight for you any of the areas. If you don't know what that means, you're like, I don't know what cooking ministry means, um, then that might be something that you go and ask. But Holy Spirit, I thank you that this is, we didn't just shift away from you, but we are asking you to guide us to where we can practically give our time, our talents, our treasure, so that together with this local church vision and with the other churches in our region, it can be hard for people to go to hell from this city. Right now, Lord, it's too easy. It's too easy. I ask that your church in this region would rise up with broken wings. That though, we're, though we have brokenness, you will raise us up and you will cause us soar in your strength and not in ours. Even as we look at these tables on this page and as we consider this, would you give us new glasses today? And more than anything, would you connect our hearts in a greater way to your heart?